When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. What a strange weekend, and yet another weekend full of controversy, as Callum Smith beat John Ryder controversially, and then we had the big stunning knockout from Deontay Wilder, stopping Luis Ortiz in round number seven, after seemingly being a little bit behind on the scorecards in what was an interesting weekend, and a lot of good talking points from this weekend as well. Yeah, definitely so. Um, definitely two contra- well, controversial scorecards in terms of, I mean, Wilder finished it off pretty, uh, as we thought he would in the seventh emphatically, um, but pretty controversial with all our aim scorecards were going, but obviously the main talking point was the Callum Smith and uh, John Ryder scorecards, which were very sort of disjointed and warped. So I don't quite understand what the judges see that night, but, you know, I'm, 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 along, I'm along with a lot of people in terms of it was... It, it was it was it was a close fight, put it that way. Uh, I don't think he was robbed, but the scorecards were very very bad. To be fair, they were appalling, really. Well, I think I think that's probably where I'd like to start this episode, really, in the big fight reaction show. I think, you know, Wilder's knockout of Ortiz was stunning, uh, but expected, I think. But this yeah. this wasn't expected, I don't think, and people. We're talking about this being uh, a bit of a gross mismatch, and and ourselves expected Callum Smith to to you know easily beat John Ryder, and and that wasn't the case because John Ryder used the advantages that he had as a smaller man, uh, seemingly disadvantages as you would have thought, because it looked like a middleweight against a light heavyweight in this fight, but yet seemingly for me he made himself smaller, and you know he was able to bully. Callum Smith around the ring on the night and that's what was quite shocking for a lot of people 
especially those that are from Liverpool and those affiliated with Callum Smith, they, they didn't seem to accept the fact that he actually got bullied quite a lot in that fight. And it makes people think now what happens when he does fight an elite level fighter. Are they going to bully him around the ring like John Ryder did? Because they don't consider John Ryder to be an elite level fighter. So for me, in terms of how it went down, I know people are talking robbery. It is controversial because the two scorecards, well, the three scorecards really, were overall as a whole were poor. And I said about 10 minutes before the the, the final bell, so I think in around, around about round nine, round 10, I actually tweeted out that it wouldn't surprise me if we get a 117-111 and two 116-112 cards. Uh, and lo and behold, it was just a slightly a different the different way around, but it was actually the way I ended up seeing it going. But I don't think he'd give any credit to, to John at all, to be honest with you, because he, if, I think I would have accepted it more if it would have been something like a 115-114 card or 115-113 card. Uh, and a draw on another card, for example, I think I would have probably gone. Yeah, that's that's probably fair enough to 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 be fair. I mean, looking at the punch stats that people are talking about, it does seemingly look like more was landed from John Ryder throughout the fight. If you go on CompuBox and have a look at it, it's actually there in black and white. How much are we reading into this? Are, are we really saying that it was a robbery? Because I don't think it was a robbery but I do think it was another bad case of officiating gone wrong again yeah that's exactly how I feel Um, I don't feel it was a robbery Um, I I would have to be honest if it went John Ryder's way by a round or two I would have said yep I wouldn't have had no problem with that and I think you know by a round or a draw for Callum um, would have been again I wouldn't have moaned too much about it I think uh, I think the fact that you know that you're throwing out cards the way they did those those three judges like the 1171 is just hilarious and it's just what is disappointing and really annoying with it is that it, it doesn't show just how good John Ryder fought on the night I thought he was brilliant I thought he got in close and, I, and he caused Smith so many problems um, you know with all the disadvantages as you just clearly said you know he looked like a light heavy against the middle um, but he used his, uh, his advantages by being a smaller man and getting under the jab and and, and just getting him right on Smith's chest and, and just causing him problems. I mean, he's in form, Ryder, and I think he showed that, and I think he showed that he is a guy that, you know, anyone in that super middleweight division would struggle against Ryder. I think I think that's one thing people need to realise as well, is that John Ryder performed out of his skin. I thought, we, we did say, that's one thing we did say, was what you said it yourself, Sean, was that, you know, what, what Ryder you know he's going to bring is he's going to bring a lot of heart and determination, and, and he sure did that. He done he done that in abundance and and beyond. And it's, it's it must be hard for him to take because you know we're talking about Callum Smith fighting his elite fighters and him being an elite fighter himself. In actual fact, he, he struggled. Um, you know, he was open at, at the end of the fight, and he said that you know he, he he didn't feel like he was in he wasn't worried about Ryder in any way. So in a way, he probably did overlook him, and he didn't perform to the max. Um, and inevitably. You know, it it just it it just makes it very controversial in terms of that he was lucky, he got away with one. That's basically what he was. He didn't perform well when he got away with it. But um, it's harsh on John. I really do. And I think, you know, why not give the guy a rematch? I mean, uh, for me, I think it's something that he deserves. You know, he's a big underdog. Obviously, Smith's going to go on to other things now. But anything, I mean, even Eddie Hearn said it, his phone was blowing up, wasn't it? During the fight, people were saying they want to fight him now, which is understandable. 
So in actual fact, it might be a good thing in Callum Smith's. It might work in his favour where he might actually end up getting a really big fight because looking at this one, people are thinking they can beat him. It was funny because in the one of the post-fight interviews, I don't know if it was the Sky one or, or one of the, the, the YouTube outlet ones that I've seen, I actually did see Callum say something along the lines of, now they've seen him what they think is a poor performance, maybe now they'll come out and the big fights may come out and, and because they're saying, him and Joe are saying that people are avoiding him. So are they going to avoid him now if they think he's had an under-par performance? Well, that might work in his favour and we might get to see the best mm-hmm. of him in a bigger fight, like you say, and this could be a case of being overlooked and, and you know, not training. I'm not saying he didn't train to his full capacity, but it must have been difficult thinking about this Anfield dream and this Canelo fight and the super fights that are out there for him. And and like you said, I think you're right in what you're saying is that he got away with this and he got away with this particular fight and this hopefully for them will be a lesson learned as if to say don't overlook anybody regardless of how easy you think you're going to get through this fight. Don't overlook a fighter because John Ryder came in there with Tony Sims with a great game plan and was very unlucky not to get a decision and, and, and any other night could have got that decision. I don't think it's a robbery i'm not going to sit here and scream robbery because i don't think it is i know there's a lot of people saying it is a robbery and he clearly won and i'd say that's probably the majority of people on social media even ex-professionals are getting involved i've seen a bit of a, a dispute between kevin mitchell and natasha jonas obviously jonas has got that affiliation uh, with smith and the gallagher camp and kevin mitchell's basically saying no this was a john Ryder win and they're doing a bit of back and forth on twitter so there is a lot of people doing it i've seen a video from from ifl behind the scenes of Darren Barker basically saying to Eddie Hearn John Ryder was robbed in the backstage area that was a a nice little video put out via IFL so it was good to see that other people were questioning some of these things in boxing because obviously our biggest gripe is is the PEDS issues and the officiating and the scorecards and the scorecards again were really really poor that's twice in two weeks now and it just seems to be a regular occurrence and I feel sorry for John Ryder because is he going to get a rematch let's be honest he isn't going to get no. this no matter how much they, 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 they beg and scream for it they ain't going to get it Callum Smith's going to move on John Ryder's going to have to move on but I think the least he deserves is to steer him in the direction of another world title shot in the super middleweight division yeah yeah um, I, I mean I say you know as I said I throughout I think he deserves one of course that's just what I feel I think I think that would be the right thing to do but it's not gonna happen I'm, I'm not stupid to think that it is um but you know I think I think the mindset wasn't quite was, was clearly wasn't there for, for Smith and, and I do think sometimes you know um I don't want to say fighters want to be scared or worried but I do think it's something you need as a fighter you need to be wary of what your opponent can bring and I don't think Smith had that, um, and again, you know, that's just something they need to go back on and they need to look at themselves and make sure they don't make that same mistake again and they learn from it, and that's exactly what they should be doing. Ryder, on the other hand, has, has proved himself to be a handful, and um, and I believe that if he can get a good couple of victories under his belt or even just, you know, it, I mean, there's, there's good fights out. I mean, even like the Chris Eubank Jr. would be a great fight. Maybe, I don't think he would want to go near him, to be fair, but that's a good fight for John Ryder. I think he would uh, cause him all sorts of problems. And, and I think that's the one thing people can now realise is that John's a good fighter and um, and he deserves to be sort of in the top five or six in that super middleweight division. And obviously, Callum moves on. I would like to see like the Billy Joe Saunders. I said that before, and I still believe that would be a good fight because I think they both have something to prove. And I think they could both put on an excellent performance and a great fight. And I think that's something that maybe they should look at. Um, I think Canelo... 
if he's looking at it um, and Callum performs the way he did against Ryder, Canelo knocks him out in about three or four rounds. Simple as that. So, um, But I do think the mindset was the problem for Callum. Um, he did get away with one. And um, yes, the, the scorecards are controversial. Uh, definitely not a robbery for me, but um, something that needs to be looked at with how, these, how scoring works. Because obviously, you know, the millions that are on social media, we, we follow boxing, we watch boxing. You know, we ain't judges. We are just fans. But, you know, predominantly, we're, we're pretty much right, let's be honest, as, as a fan. You know, you know what you're watching, you know what you're, you're witnessing. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, think, I, think, um, I, think, I think something needs to be done with the scorecards. Obviously, the PEDs is obviously another issue. But, yeah, two problems with the sport and that needs to be cleared up. Well, before we move any further and start to talk about the other big fight of the weekend, uh, we didn't really do an introduction for this episode, so let's do it now. <laughs> so I'm just going to let you guys where to, where, to know where to follow us on social media. It's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook as well. And you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify as well. Go and find us on there. Subscribe, rate and review. Let us know what you're thinking about it. Please, it really, really does help us. So let's move on then. Let's talk about Wilder and Ortiz. That was a, the other big fight of the weekend. And we went straight into Smith Rider because I think that was probably the, the controversial moment of the weekend. They sat in scorecards. But there was no real controversy about the way Ortiz and Wilder's fight ended with an absolute stunning left jab right combination that absolutely floored Luis Ortiz, put him on his ass, and he weren't getting up. And. It was just another explosive victory for Deontay Wilder after seemingly being outboxed for for the majority of the fight. There wasn't really much that was landed throughout the seven rounds of the fight for Deontay Wilder. Uh, out Luis Ortiz, for me, boxed beautifully, had the game plan down to a T, but just for that split second, got caught, and that was it. That's all it takes for Deontay Wilder. As we know, gets caught, catches somebody once, and the fight's over, and that's exactly what happened to Luis Ortiz. And... I'll be honest, I feel really sorry for him because he boxed out of his skin and he's shown people why he is an avoided fighter because of the way he boxed and how much trouble he would give to the rest of that heavyweight division. But it, all it took was that split second, that one opportunity, that one chance that was taken by Wilder. And my word, this guy, we've said it before and we'll say it again, he's one of the most ferocious knockout artists in boxing history as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think I thought all teeth fought really well. I, I literally had him winning every single round. To be honest with you, I couldn't give anything to Wilder. Um, I mean, even to the point of that that knockout in the seventh. I mean, I thought he was winning that round as well. Um, and you know, it was it was a monstrous right hand. You know, and it, it, he definitely carried some pop, didn't he, uh, Wilder? And uh, you know, he, he floored Wild all teeth, and all teeth was. You know, he, he looked a bit bewildered, didn't he? Even when he got to his feet, he, looked, he sort of looked like he didn't know where he was. And, you know, the, I think the one the question I always have with Wilder is, you know, inevitably there's going to be a fight where he's not going to land something. Because, you know, if someone can box smart for 12 rounds, like we've seen, we did see with Fury, like he did get put down a couple of times. You know, remarkably getting up in that last round uh, in their first fight. But, you know, what that shows is, Tyson Fury, okay, he's looking at it and thinking, all right, if I get caught by that right hand, I'll be okay. And and um, it's, it's easier said than done, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, he can be beaten. I, I don't see why anyone can't beat Wilder. He just has that equaliser. He has that punch that can change the whole complexion of a fight and he can floor someone. So, 
you know, no matter who fights him, he's going to be dangerous. Um, but you know, technically, and just he's, he's just he's all over the place. He's all wrong. I, I, I can't. I don't. You know, I know it's coming. I know when he when he lands it, it's interesting to see what happens and how the fighter takes it. But you know, it, eventually someone will beat him, and I think they will beat him by just boxing at range for twelve rounds. And I think Tyson Fury will be the man to do that when they fight in the second fight. But you know, not not to disrespect Wilder. You know, he didn't fight. I don't. I don't think he really. Box well at all, um, but you know that big right hand ended the fight, and that's all you need, really. So credit to him, he landed it. He was patient with it, and boy, did he hit it! And and poor Ortiz, he did. He looked absolutely bewildered and stunned, like that it was all over because he looked quite comfortable. He was even smiling just before when a, when a finger, I think it was a right hand, he got caught with, and then it wasn't too flush, and it sort of smile was sort of shaking, as if to say that didn't hurt, and he just carried on boxing. But I think he got a little bit cocky, a little bit overconfident, and he got caught. So. You know, unfortunately for him, you know, he's going to have to move on two defeats against Wilder now. So, yeah, I mean, we said it. We said six, didn't we? I think we said uh, from one to six, and, and it ended up being seven. So it was only around that, Sean. So uh, pretty much how we thought we'd go. Yeah, certainly. And I think, obviously, now we're all focusing on what's coming next for Wilder, which is this rematch with Tyson Fury. And we get to look ahead to that now. And I think that's the exciting part of, of what's going to happen between these two is, is the, you know, seemingly Tyson Fury is the only one that's been able to get up and sustain against Deontay Wilder. The, the, you know, the, the right-hand-left hook combination that dropped Fury and that he got up from. You know, people are, are saying there was something else at play there, something else at work, and you start to think to yourself, bloody hell, there must have been something else at work. You know, the way he finished Ortiz off and the way, you know, it was pretty much similar to, to, to the way he dropped Tyson Fury. And for Tyson Fury to get up, unbelievable. It just even, you, you gave more credit to him now. Every time you see Deontay Wilder's dispatch of an opponent, the way he's done with Brazil and Ortiz now this year so far, you just give him more credit for it. And you think to yourself, what's going to happen when these two meet again? Uh, is he going to get dropped again? Is he going to get up another time? Or is he just going to completely outbox him and, and actually get a, a decision on the cards this time? It just leaves a lot to be desired, really, you know, with this particular fight. And I think it's hard now for Ortiz because with Ortiz now, he's, he's lost twice Deontay Wilder. Uh, who else is he going to fight out there? Who else is going to want to get in the ring with him? Because regardless of the two losses to Wilder, you know, in both fights, he, he was outboxing him for for long periods of time and hurt Wilder on multiple occasions in the fight. He yep. did hurt Wilder in the second fight a couple of times, but not as, as dramatic as he did in the first fight. So who's going to want to take a fight where there's no reward and a very high risk with it? I don't think a lot of people are going to want to take this fight. I don't think any of you are the champions contenders are going to want to take it because what is actually to gain from it? Because... Ortiz hasn't had a world title as yet, so are you are you going in there and actually getting anything out of it? If you beat him, you've got Ortiz's name on your record, but then what has Ortiz won in the division? He hasn't won anything. It's not like you're beating a former champion. You're just taking a, a very high risk for a very low reward, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, and I, and I, I, I did see recently today that he um, he would he, he wants to take on the loser of um, Ruiz and Joshua. He said that's that's the fight he wants next. So yeah, maybe he get that. Maybe that's an opportunity for for the loser there to to get a win against Ortiz and push themselves back in contention, if you like. Because um, the only other one out there is like um, Dillian White, possibly with with what's happening with him at the minute, and you know maybe that's a fight he could have because uh, he's not going to get his. Um, his mandatory title shot until what they say 2021. So, you know, chances are 
he's going to have to um, he's going to have to fight some some guys, and he's not the sort of fella to to avoid fighters. Um, so that could be a possibility as well. So there are a couple of options, but as you say, you know, do they really want to be fighting Ortiz? Um, he's tricky. He's a southpaw. You know, we've seen he can outbox people, and and he, he's done it twice against uh, against Wilder. I mean, many many fighters. I mean, even Gerald Washington for me when he when he got caught with a wilder shot, he outboxed him. And, and Washington's no, you know, he, he's an average fighter. So, you know, it's not like you can't outbox Wilder. Um, and Ortiz has got his flaws. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, what, how old is the fellow as well? I mean, I, we don't know. Is he forty? Is he fifty? Uh, who knows? But you know, a lot of people are. You know, I'm not going to discredit Wilder at all. Um, I don't really like the guy. I mean, that's probably that is my problem. I think. I try to to be partial with it and, and neutral, um, especially when it comes to doing this pod. But you know, I, I still I'm not 100 percent in uh, you know the way people talk about Wilder, and I, I'm not a massive fan. I, I just think he's he's got this big punch. I mean, people have, have made comparisons to, to Rocky Marciano because he was a bit technically awkward. Um, he doesn't even come close to a guy like Rocky for me. Um, that's just my opinion. I mean, again, I. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board with Wilder and watch some more of his fights because I just think he's, he's so one-dimensional. All right, he gets him out of trouble. He gets him out of stuck. But um, I still believe he can be beaten comfortably. Um, I think Fury will do that. But, you know, I could be wrong. He catches anyone in this division with a shot. That's, that's a heavyweight division for you. And I'm still not 100% convinced that he's got a really, you know, a, a good enough chin. I still think that, you know, we're, we're talking about Ortiz here is with his 50, 45, however old he is, you know, you know, people say how much of a great knockout it is. It is, but, you know, yet when sort of Anthony Joshua done it to, to uh, Vladimir Klitschko, people were saying, yeah, he's old and over the hill. So, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one to assess. I think I think we'll know a bit more about Wilder once he fights through for the second time for me. Well, I'll be honest with Wilder, I like the fact that he's knocking people out. I like what he brings to that aspect of the heavyweight division. My only issue at the moment is the the smack talk that he brings. Uh, it's good. It's good because it brings attention. But I haven't seen him involved in a, a fight which you, apart from the Fury fight, where you would honestly say to yourself, you would put him alongside any of them great champions of all time. I, I haven't seen that. The Fury fight is the only one I can honestly sit down and say, if I was to sit here in 10 years' time and remember Deontay Wilder's career, would I remember him for his accomplishments or would I remember him for being a knockout artist? It's more than likely just being the knockout artist at this moment in time. And I think what's missing from his resume is them big fights. That is what he needs. He needs this Fury fight. And if you're a Deontay Wilder fan, or you're in Deontay Wilder's camp, you need the Fury win. He needs to he needs to knock Fury out. He needs a big win against Fury because Fury is a guy that a lot of people are regarding as the best in the division, skill wise for sure. And he's the guy who beat the guy, as they say. So yeah. if he beats Fury and he does it in emphatic fashion, then for me, that is that is his legacy created right there with that win. If he then goes on to face a Ruiz or Joshua and carries on and wins, and wins all the belts in the division, and as he says, one belt, one name, one face. If he does that, he will go down as one of the great heavyweights in boxing history. If he doesn't do that, can we honestly sit here and say he's, he's one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time? 
is a knockout artist. There's been a lot of knockout artists over the years. If you want to dig right deep into boxing history and box wreck on the records, there's been fighters from the 20s and the 30s that have had 70, 80 fights and knocked out more than half of them opponents. It's only mm-hmm. like saying that, and they've been world champions, if you really wanted to dig into it. So for me at the moment, if if I'm thinking about it objectively, I'd like Fury to beat him. That's just my personal opinion, but I'm thinking about it objectively. If I wanted to sit here in 10 years and assess his career... I'd need to see him beat Tyson Fury and then Joshua or Ruiz. And then if he does that in that order, for me, he does go down as one of the great heavyweights of all time because then he has beat all the legitimate contenders, competitors, world champions that have been put in front of him in this generation. And there's no one else out there we can honestly sit here and say it goes in that sort of pecking order at the moment. You can say Dillian White, but he hasn't won a world title yet. He's got himself into positions and then losing them positions. Not in the ring, of course, but he hasn't beat anybody. That's the thing for me. He hasn't beat anybody of major significance. Luis Ortiz, is he majorly significant? He's not won a world title. You know, It's a big argument. It's a very subjective argument, but this is how I feel at this moment in time about his career and what he needs to do going forward. And I think I think that's the problem with boxing as a whole, especially in the heavyweight game. This is what we want to see. We want to see the best fight the best. And I thought, I think many felt that this year could be the year. It seems to be. It should have been 2018. No, it should be this year. This year is done now. So, you know, we've got the one big heavyweight clash coming up, which is in a couple of weeks with uh, AJ Ruiz. Um, it's intriguing. We'll see what happens to that. Um, and then what we want to see in 2020 is we want to see Wilder. And we want to see Fury, and then we want to see White. You know, we want to see Joshua. If anything, I'd, I'd see. You know, if, if whatever happens with Joshua, I think, I think the logical sense for for everything is for White and Joshua to get it on. I honestly believe that that's a fight that should happen. Um, you know, he's the only other guy for me, bar someone like Ortiz, that um, that that should be because obviously you got Fury and Wilder. That's going to be something that's going to run on. Now it looks like until the summer because it looks like they're probably going to have a third fight as well. So. You know, I suppose it depends how the second one goes. So, you know, it's, it's looking hopeful, but they all need to fight each other. And then once they've all fought each other, then we can decide who the best of them are and then we can talk about whether, you know, they're the best of this era and what era is the better era out of eras gone by. And, and then that's how you sort of assess how, just how uh, great a fight has become. But if they don't fight each other, we are sitting here always subjectively thinking, actually, yeah, he's knocking people out, but who's he actually knocking out? Not really anyone. So... You know, it's it's just the only way we're going to find out, Sean, is if we actually see it. And hopefully, fingers crossed, next year and then into 2021, we'll, we'll have them all. And at the end of that, we can actually figure out who the best of all these guys are. Because it just gets boring when you're sitting on flipping social media and, you know, you've got your Wilder fans, you've got your Fury fans, you've got your Joshua fans. And it's like, you know, and, and they're all saying this one's better. And then you're you, rowing out. I'm saying, I mean, it's great to watch or read when you're on there. Um, it's quite funny and amusing. But, it's getting a bit boring, um, and I just wanted to fight. And hopefully, you know, this kick, you know, February as well, Fury Wilder. Hopefully, that that it gets the ball rolling, and we have a great year next year for the heavyweights. And and you know, when the heavyweights are booming, the rest of boxing's booming. Yeah, I totally agree with that, hundred percent. So it's going to be a little bit of a shorter big fight reaction pod today, only for the sole fact is that we've got so much great content coming up over the next few weeks ahead of the big fight between Joshua and Ruiz, and then we've got end of year shows coming with awards and all the rest of it. So I'm going to make this a little bit shorter than than, than what we normally do. So I wanted to 
just sort of recap on some of the other fights from that particular undercard as well. So it was funny that, you know, he had a big knockout from Deontay Wilder, but his brother Marcellus got absolutely <laughs> floored and stopped, didn't he, on the undercard as well? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I just heard about it. I heard he got knocked out. So it must have been quite early in the night as well, wasn't it? And I see it as like, oh dear. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. We, had, we had Wilder's brother getting beat on there. And we had a couple of other sort of upsets on the card. I mentioned a few of the fights on the preview episode. We had uh, Ladon Barthelemy getting stopped by Eduardo Ramirez. So that takes his unbeaten record away. We had Arnold Alejandro getting beat off Hon Gimino this weekend as well. We've seen Leo Santa Cruz win the vacant WBA Super World Super Featherweight title. It's a bit of a mouthful, but he picked up that he picked up that win against Miguel Flores. Uh, I didn't really watch the full fight. I'll be honest. I watched the highlights. He looked a little bit flat. Um, he's called out Gary Russell Jr. Didn't even have any mention of the Carl Frampton rubber match. So. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Brandon Figueroa got a draw with Julio Zajar on the undercard. And what I was most gutted about with this particular card is the Luis Neri fight with Emmanuel Rodriguez was called off due to the issues with Neri's weight. Oh, I've gutted. I mean, we've just spoke about controversial scorecards and slightly mentioned PDs, but this, uh, this, this problem with people making weight is also a bit of a bummer for me. It does irritate me. I was really looking forward to that fight and you know, nearly he's coming overweight, um, and Rodriguez said he didn't want to fight him. Um, you know, I can't argue with it. You know, many, many fighters turn around and take that fight, even though they've come overweight. Um, and, you know, they go on to lose it. Um, and he's obviously felt that he wants to be, you know, he wants the best chance he could possibly get against Neary. Um, and, you know, it's happened, I suppose. You just have to move on. Hopefully they can. Get get the fight made again, and and this time Neary will come in on weight. Um, but really disappointing. I'm disappointed with Neary. You know he needs to be doing better than that. He's a champion. He's got a big fight, and he goes and comes in overweight. I think he's just a bit poor, sort of on on his behalf and his team. You know, obviously something's not right there. Whether he's struggling with the weight or not, we'll have to see. But I, I think that's just you know that's bad of him, and uh, I think that's just a, it's disappointing. Um, so yeah, gutted, absolutely gutted. I didn't see that fight. So on the matchroom bill on the Saturday night, we had a few other fights on there, which I'll just quickly run through as well. So on the early card, we had James Tennyson stopping Craig Evans, and which was a pretty decent fight for anybody that did manage to catch up with that one. Uh, Craig Glover lost to Chris Billum-Smith. Chris Billum-Smith looking really good in that particular fight, Brilliant. getting the victory there. And then you had Anthony Fowler picking up the vacant WBA International Super Welterweight title, beating Harry Scarf. Uh, and then you had Tom Farrell losing to Sean Dodd, after four completed rounds, there was an injury to the forehead of Tom Farrell from an accidental clash of heads, and that fight was stopped, and Sean Dodd got two rounds. Uh, I think it was three rounds to one on one card, and I think it was quite a close one. Um, but I'd like to see that one again. That was a, another good one. And on the undercard, uh, the very deep undercard, we also had Stephen Smith, brother of Paul and Callum as well, and Liam uh, winning over Johnny Phillips. Unanimous decision there over a short distance, six-rounder. Uh, and then a couple of other prospects on the undercard of that one as well. So overall, uh, we did have a, a big card there. But as I said, I, I watched it and um, there was a good atmosphere for the main fight. Uh, but it looked pretty quiet in the arena all the way up until Smith and Ryder came on. And I did expect it to, to be that way. I didn't think it would do that well for uh, tickets. So that rumour about it being a bit crap for tickets was... Uh, 
it was was there was a bit of truth to that. There was definitely an element of it. Um, but the main event was obviously uh, what what were the people were there to see, and you know there was actually a lot of booze going out at the end of it, given the decision as well, which was quite interesting. I know there was a lot of scouters that. You know, obviously couldn't see past the Callum Smith victory, but there was quite a few scouts that admitted he looked like he'd been defeated on the night. So, hey-ho, it is what it is. And then, finally, just touching on Friday night's fights as well, we didn't get a chance to touch on that. The Golden Contract Tournament, seen victories for O'Hara Davis, Tyrone McKenna, and a big shout-out to Jeff Afore, who who's that was his second fight in a week when he went in there with Kieran Geffen and beat Kieran Geffen. And it was a strange affair because it got to it got to the scorecards and the, the main judges scored it a draw. And then it, because, because it was a draw and it was a tournament and it needed to progress, they basically give the referee score as the final deciding score in the fight, which is something we've not seen for a very long time, probably since the sort of 1980s where the referee uh, and one judge or two judges would be involved. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that idea. I mean, yeah, obviously they needed a win. I think uh, that was something uh, that yeah, I quite, I quite like that idea. You know, if, if that makes sense, I mean, there was there was you know possibilities. You know, with, with some of the scorecards, there was a chance that there would be like a, a fourth official, if you like, sort of, sort of sitting there. If it ever lands, becomes a draw, then you'd throw the fourth official in. And and although it does, it you know, I think on their in their records it shows up as a draw, doesn't it? But in actual fact, moving forward for the tournament, you know. Marcus, uh, is it Marcus McDonald? Was it? Was it? Was it I, think, I can't remember if it was. It was refereeing actually. It might yeah. be. I can't remember. It was Kieran, um, Kieran, yeah. Kieran McCann. It was Kieran. Yeah, Kieran McCann. Sorry. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I like that idea. I think. I think that's a great idea. You know, as I say, it goes down as a draw, but one has to move on. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think that's that's, that's just something. That, as you say, it happened since the eighties. Sort of the last time we really see it, and I think it's something they should bring in into the game. I. I have no problem with it at all. I mean, I know with um, with uh, Josh Taylor and uh, Regis Progre, they were if that had been a draw, they were going to do the countback system, where which is it's almost like the old no contest, if you like, uh, but um, yeah, a sort of newspaper decision, if you like, the way they they would count it back and uh, it'd be from uh, sort of round twelve, and whoever won the last round would be the actual winner. Although it would have gone down as a draw on their record, so. You know, I, I like the fact they're trying to think of alternatives to make sure there's a winner on the night. I don't see no problem in that. And um, yeah, and I, again, I mean, that, that, the golden contract. I, you know, uh, we've already said that I actually enjoy it, and and I think it, it didn't disappoint. I mean, I thought it was. I think it was a that night. Your call was better than the, the night of Liverpool for me. Um, I didn't see it live. I had to go back and sort of watch it on on the Saturday afternoon. But I enjoyed myself watching them, um, and I thought they were all good fights. And uh, yeah, I, I just think um, I can't wait for the semis. I, I just, I just enjoy all this the way it's, this tournament format. I think it's the way boxing should be going. And it's a shame, uh, as we just spoke about fighters not actually fighting each other. But with this, with, with the idea of a tournament process, you've got turn you've got to fight them. So I think it makes sense. I think it's something that should be brought in. Maybe the organisation should be looking at and thinking actually they could do a similar thing. Well, you had the dark horse, Mohamed Mimoume, getting that victory and stopping Darren Surtees, which is uh, something I, I know I texted you about because I know you weren't watching it on the Friday. Uh, yeah, you texted that's me back right. and I, I did say this, though, and I said it to a few people other than yourself on the podcast of saying you need to watch out for this guy because he's, you know, he's a bit of a slippery customer. He could cause a bit of an upset and obviously he stopped the previously undefeated Darren Surtees now, so he goes into the semi-final. So, 
you know, he's the one with the most experience out of the bunch of them in there. So it'd be quite interesting to see how the semi-finals play out and whether, you know, he will progress onto the final. We'll be interested to see it. So he got the victory there. And I think finally, just touching on another bill which was in America, obviously it was a golden boy bill. There was Andrew Cancio losing in a, in a shock mm. loss to, to Rene Alvarado. He lost, lost his WBA World Super Featherweight title. That was a bit of a shocker there. And then you had the featherweight, Kanzu, potential opponent of Josh Warrington's, beating Manny Robles the third. And did you hear about the fact that, I think it was something ridiculous, like 1,500 punches that he threw in that fight. He was an absolute machine in that fight. And he's actually come out at the end of it and said he wants to fight Josh Warrington next, which I found great. I, you know, this is what I was saying a few weeks back when he was talking about Josh Warrington and who he should fight. And we did say Kanzu should be the opponent that he should go in with if he doesn't fight Stevenson. Yeah, and, and I have to say that um, I was really impressed with him. Um, I mean, I even I didn't know too much about, about it. I was the first time I actually watched him. Um, and for me, he's got a fan out of me. I thought he, his work rate was excellent. I thought he was, you know, he, he, he was he performed really well for me. I was really weren't surprised. I know people have mentioned that this guy can fight a bit, but um, yeah, fifteen hundred sort of punches thrown in the whole fight is, is pretty impressive, isn't it? I mean, his work rate, as I say, was excellent and. The first round was really funny, actually, because uh, the referee got knocked down, <laughs> which was quite funny. <laughs> and even the commentators have said, oh, I think it was Gonzalez or Rodrigo, I can't remember, they were saying, oh, and he's gone down. <laughs> did did make me chuckle. But, um, yeah, really impressive him, really am. And, and I'll tell you what, work rate like that against Josh Warrington, that's gonna, that will be a great fight, wouldn't it? Jesus, yes. I really like the idea of that fight now. So hopefully they can bring him over to Ellen Road, because that's the idea. In the, in, I believe in the summer, or sort of just before it, and I think, yeah, Warrington can do all day long for me. I think that would be a great fight, entertaining, and and um, it, it deserves it. I mean, it'd be for, to unify the division, well, you know, not, not completely unify it, as in the whole division. But, um, yeah, it's a fight that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing after watching that the other night. So that about wraps it up, really, for our reaction to all the big fight stuff this weekend and obviously some of the supporting acts that we've had this weekend. And as I said earlier, it is a little bit of a shorter one just because we've got so much content we want to get out to you guys. We've got Repeat or Revenge, a look back at the heavyweight rematches over the course of the last 40, 50 years. Really looking forward to sitting down to record that one. We've got, obviously, a big fight preview coming up for Josh Ruiz. We've got the end-of-year review and the end-of-year award. We've got so much content coming to you guys, so please, if you've not already subscribed to us, go and do it by checking us out on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Stitcher, Spreaker or Player FM, even Spotify or TuneIn. There's loads of podcasting apps out there now. You can go and find us just by searching BTR Boxing Podcast and you'll find this podcast on there, so please go and let us know. And if you've not followed us on social media, you know where to find us now. It's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter. You can see all the latest episodes posted up on there, all the little videos that you put out on there to promote some of the stuff that we put out there and then we've also got a facebook account you can go on and find the page btr boxing podcast have a look on there review the page let us know what you think we really really appreciate it so that is it for this big fight reaction show we really enjoyed the weekend deontay wilder stopping and knocking out Luis Ortiz and Callum Smith controversially picking up the victory over john Ryder. that's it fight fans we'll see you next time
Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.